Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. All right, so we are in week two of our series, For the Sake of Others. Somebody say, For the Sake of Others. And uh, we are going to be in Acts chapter 20 tonight. Acts chapter 20, if you have a Bible. Um, We're only going to look at one verse, Acts 20, verse 35. And uh, in this series, sort of as we're moving towards Christmas, we're learning how to have the proper motivation behind what we do. Our life and even our spirituality can be be very self-motivated and focused. And so how do we learn to do things um, with a Christ-like attitude? And I think Christmas especially can become a very selfish holiday. And uh, so we're just trying to gear ourselves up to live with the proper mindset as we move towards Christmas. I'm not trying to negate the fact that Santa definitely wants to read your Christmas list and that you should definitely eat lots of um, like fudge and pie and um, hot chocolate. Like you should definitely do all those things. But... Um, maybe we, God wants to transform us and teach us something deeper about ourselves um, as we move into this Christmas season and something that we can carry even beyond. And we're trying to live really simply with the mind of Christ for the sake of others. We're learning to live with the mind of Christ um, for the sake of others. Last week we began by looking at why Jesus came. We saw from the mouth of Jesus three statements as to why he came. He came to fulfill the word of God. He came to do the will of the Father and to lay down his life for others. And so tonight we're going to see some of the characteristics of what it looks like to live for the sake of others. So if you decide, hey, I want to begin to live with the mind of Christ for the sake of others, what is that going to look like? And we're going to see four things. And I've titled this message, How to Be More Blessed. Somebody say more blessed. All right. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Now context, the Apostle Paul is speaking to some church leaders in Ephesus. He's saying goodbye uh, to this church that he helped get started. um, And he's knowing full well that he will most likely never see them again. And so he's saying goodbye. It's a really emotional scene there in Acts chapter 20. And he speaks sort of candidly about his lifestyle while he was with them. And so this is what he says. Acts chapter 20 verse 35. In everything I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words uh, of the Lord Jesus himself, he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. He says, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Four important thoughts from this verse about how to live for the sake of others. Point number one is hard work. Hard work. Notice the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about himself, the lifestyle, the characteristic of his life while he was with them in Ephesus, he said that I, I, I lived, I walked, I, everything I did was uh, with hard work. Let me put it very simply. Living for others is hard work. Living for self comes naturally. Right? Usually when, when we wake up in the morning, the first thought on our mind is us, right? Whether it's like, I have to go to the bathroom, 
or I'm very hungry, or I'm very thirsty, or what am I going to wear today, or how am I feeling today, or maybe we check our phone. Maybe the first thing we do when we wake up is check our phone, and we spend like a few minutes like just trying to amp ourselves up for the day, and uh, we go on our phone, maybe we check Instagram, or we do something like that, or we see if that person responded to our Snapchat, or whatever it is. Like, a lot of times, the first thing um, that we think about is us, because living for self or thinking about self comes naturally. And one of the things that prevents us from living for others is how hard it may be or how inconvenient it may be, right? As soon as we bring others into the mix of our mindset, um, others show up, right? And I, I don't know about you, but for me, um, life is a lot easier when I'm just thinking about me. Like, let me give you an example. So just uh, this past week, last weekend, um, Hannah went away for the weekend. She went to California. She was speaking at a women's event in California, which she killed it, by the way. It was awesome. She's the GOAT. Um, and so I, uh, I spent those four or five days by myself. Let me tell you, I did whatever I wanted. Let me tell you, I left the toilet seat up for one. Should I not share that? She's like, don't share that. Um, uh, I left the shower curtain open. Um, I uh, left towels on the floor. Yeah, I basically, basically, you guys are just learning that I am a complete slob on my own. Um, yeah, I, I ate lunch when I wanted. I like to eat lunch. Like, I start thinking about lunch around 1045. Um, and Hannah's like, you have to wait till 12. And when she was gone, I'm eating lunch at 1115. And it's awesome. So, when it's just me... Because caring for myself comes very naturally. It's just you do whatever you want. But then you bring another person in the mix, and all of a sudden there's another person in the mix, and you can't just think about yourself, right? You think about how do my actions help or hurt the people around me? And so it, is, it actually becomes hard work because you have to be more intentional when you begin to live for the people around you. And so it's inconvenient. Let me tell you, living for the sake of others can be and oftentimes is very inconvenient. And it's easier to look out only for our own interests and needs. But listen, that's not the call of the Christian. The call of the Christian is to learning to deny yourself and following Jesus. And listen, there is always a cost to anything you do. Right? There's always a cost. If you're saying, like, I want to eat more healthy, well, the cost is no more McDonald's. Right? If you're saying, I want to play a sport, that means no more free time. If you say, I want to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that means you have to think about someone else when you make decisions. Some of you guys have horrible relationships because you haven't learned that you actually have to think about somebody else when you're dating that person. Like, you actually think about them. Like, you can't just do whatever you want anymore. There's some free advice for you in your dating life. Learning to live for the sake of others is going to cost living for the sake of self. So like with anything, you have to count the cost. Is it worth giving up what I want in order to benefit or bless somebody else? And this is the recognition. 
This is something we have to come to. But we also have to realize that when it comes to living for the sake of God and living for the sake of others, that what you actually give up, it doesn't even compare with what you receive in Jesus. So when you decide, do you know what? I want to live no longer for myself, but I want to deny myself, take up my cross, follow after Jesus for the, for the benefit and the sake of others. That what you gain in Jesus is always better than what you could give for yourself. A missionary to Ecuador named Jim Elliott, who would um, be killed as a missionary to Ecuador, he said this, quote, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This man and his family and his friends would go to Ecuador to bring the gospel to these people, ultimately being killed there in Ecuador with the gospel, but recognizing that giving up his own life even to gain an eternal reward and to gain what God ultimately wanted to do in his life and through his life was far greater than the conveniences and comforts of life. And can I tell you, when you can learn to live for the sake of others, giving up what might be easier or or more convenient or more comfortable for yourself, you ultimately gain back far more than you could have ever gotten for yourself. But listen, in order to live for the sake of others, you have to recognize it's hard work. The second thing we see about living for the sake of, the, uh, for the sake of others is it's going to look like hard work. It's also going to look like you're helping the weak. That's what he says. He says, um, Paul said, through hard work, we must help the weak. Now, this isn't to categorize people as weak and strong. That's not what Paul's doing. Paul's not saying, okay, you got to help the weak, so you have to self-identify who's weak and who's strong. Um, Nor is it to judge people that we think are, quote, weak. Like, oh, I'm going to help you. Why? Well, you're weak. And so you need my help. The idea of weak is two things. One, it's people who need help. Right? To help the weak, the, the idea is simply to help people that need help. To help the weak is to look for people that need help. And then help them. And this could be anyone in your life. And it could be anyone that's going through anything in their life. right? Part of helping people is simply just learning to get your eyes off of your own needs. And look, I'm sure that there are people around me that need help. Maybe it's encouragement. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's attention. Maybe it's, maybe it's something I could buy him lunch or something I could do to help somebody else. And part of living for the sake of others is looking and looking for opportunity to help people that just need help. And oftentimes, can I tell you that a lot of times people aren't going to come ask for help. Especially, I would say, your friends are probably not going to come and say, like, hey, I need help. So what we have to learn to do is just look for opportunities to be a benefit, to be a blessing to the people around us, to help them. And I'm not talking charity. I'm not talking like, oh, you're weak, you need my help, and that makes me better than you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, how can I, from the grace of God, because of what God's doing in my life, how can I help? And let let me tell you something. You don't have to have it all together to help somebody else. One of the things that keeps us from serving God or helping other people is we think, I have to get my life together. 
Oh, how could I offer them a word of encouragement? How could I pray for them? How could I stand up for them? How could I say anything into their life? I have all my, my own struggles. They're going to think I'm a hypocrite. They're going to think this, that, or the other. Listen, if you just look for opportunity, God wants to use you. You don't have to have it all together. Let God fill in the gaps. Let God show up in your weakness. So it's to help uh, people who need help, but then also the idea to help the weak, it's to help people without anything in return. I would say, uh, go as far as saying it's to help someone who can't give you anything in return. We often do things with some level of thought that we might get something in return. Now, I don't think it's possible to do anything with entirely pure motives. I, think, I don't think it's possible. I think there's always some level of selfishness because we're humans in anything that we do. Some level of it. I think part of relationship with God is learning to gauge and uh, overcome the, and, and constantly crucify self or deny self. But I think everything we do, there's some level of selfish, impure motives behind it. And so one of the things we have to do is kind of do it anyways. <laughs> Doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Right? Doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. And sometimes we don't do the right thing because we think, oh, well, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Or like, ah, I don't have an entirely pure conscience about this. Or I feel like I might be too selfish. I, I, I was talking with somebody the other day. It was a great question, beautiful question. The question was, if we do something for the reward in heaven, because the Bible promises that we can live for treasures in heaven. If we do something for the reward in heaven, do we lose the reward in heaven? Great question. Right? This is like one of those like very philosophical questions that we can consider. And, and the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> There's a really interesting Bible verse. We're not going to get into it. State of the notes, Nate. But uh, this idea that, that God is actually going to sift through our motives. But let me tell you, nobody has perfect motives in anything that they do. And so that's not an excuse to not do something good. I would say that's an opportunity to grow. <laughs> an opportunity to take a step of faith. But to help the weak is to help those that can't pay you back. Or without any desire to be paid back. To help the weak is to see a need and help. I want to encourage you, especially coming around Christmas. If you see a need, try to help. If you see somebody that seems discouraged, try to encourage them. If you see somebody that's alone, try to be with them. Look for opportunity to help those that need help. All right, third point is this. It is blessed to receive. It is blessed to receive. Now, Paul gives a new beatitude in this text. The, the beatitudes are a series of blessed actions from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He would say things like, blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. All of these. G Paul here gives us a new beatitude. It's a new one because it's from Jesus, but it isn't found in any of the Gospels. So notice in your Bible, the text is read, meaning it's a quote from Jesus, but um, you can't, you're not going to read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Um, the sort of simple answer to this is John would write about in his gospel that there aren't enough, like there isn't enough paper on the planet to write of all the things that Jesus did while he was here. So we can assume that there are some things that just didn't get written in the Bible. 
um, or at least not in the Gospels. But this was a, been a common phrase that Jesus had said that the early church would have known about. And so Paul is quoting Jesus here. And he says, it is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul gives a new beatitude. But he tells us that it is a blessing to receive. Everyone likes getting gifts, right? I don't think anybody, like, hates getting gifts. Like, we might hate the gift that we got. But I don't think any of us hates getting gifts. Um, everyone likes getting gifts, and especially thoughtful ones, you know? Like, you know, like you cat, like sort of passively in conversation in June said something to your friend or to your mom about something that you would like. And then your birthday rolls around or Christmas shows up and they remembered that thing that, that you said. And, they, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's so thoughtful. It makes you feel great. Like, it is a blessing to receive. And I would say not just presents, but good things in general is a blessing, Right? Like when, when life, when you pass that test or you have a good time with your friends or like things, like good things, you get that job or, or you were late to class and your teacher didn't really care and you're like, praise God. Like whatever the case, like good things are a blessing. And listen, God wants to bless your life and good things in your life are designed by God to do a couple of things in your life. Good things in your life are designed by God to do something in your life. Two things. One, a blessing can cause growth. A blessing can cause growth. Now, there's obvious ways that blessings cause growth in your life is you have more, right? So, like, imagine you have, like, three shirts and somebody gives you a fourth shirt. Like, it's growth, right? I have more now. I had three. Now I have four. Um, but it also causes growth because oftentimes a good thing in your life tends to humble you and it builds in you um, a necessity of stewardship. So a good thing in your life can cause growth in your life because it tends to humble you. Like, man, this is good. This is so, this is so good. Like, this is awesome. Have you ever had that? Maybe it's not even a thing. Maybe it's an experience or just a moment in your life. And you're like, man, this is so good. And you just feel blessed, right? Causes growth. But that's why I say blessing can only can cause growth. Um, because sometimes we get gifts and are spoiled brats and we think we deserve it and more. <laughs> right? You ever been that person or seen that? And you're like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like, that's not what I wanted. You're like, jeez, cool it. It's a gift. Relax. Nobody owes you anything. It's Christmas. Santa doesn't come down your chimney and give you, ah, you didn't deserve it. Like, right? Like, just, ah, who cares? And sometimes we're spoiled little brats. And we're like, I want more. Like, this is what I asked for. Didn't you, Santa? Didn't you read my list? That's not what I asked for. Anyways. All right, let's pray together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it can Gifts can cause growth, but it also sometimes doesn't. And gifts also, secondly, can cultivate gratitude. 
When you receive a blessing, it should cause you to be grateful. God desires for us to be people that live with thanksgiving. And receiving a gift or receiving a blessing from God should cultivate gratitude in your life. Now, it doesn't always. It doesn't always cultivate gratitude. But it can, and it does have that power. And so it, it, it is blessed, and we probably could go on with a lot more reasons, but it is blessed to receive. But this statement is incomplete because it is a blessing to receive, but it goes on. And last point is this. It is more blessed to give. It is more blessed to give. There is a deeper level of blessing in giving than receiving. Now this is interesting because giving or serving does a couple things in our life. Uh, number one, giving, it does cause growth. Where I think receiving can cause growth, I would say if we're mature and we recognize what the gift is doing in our life, it can cause growth. But giving definitely causes growth. Serving God and serving others always causes growth. Serving reveals weaknesses in you and it causes you to pray more and depend on God. Right? When you have opportunity to serve God, there is a tendency to where you just, you start praying more. Like I think even, sorry Ruthie, I'm going to call you out again, but um, before her student share, we were talking, and we're, she was texting me last night and just saying, like, I'm praying about it. I'm thinking through it. Like, what should I say? Can we get together and talk about it? And there's a level of, like, w w serving God causes you to pray and to think about God. And it, there's growth in your life when you begin to serve God and serve others. When you step out of your comfort zone into something new that God's taking you into, it will cause growth in your life. Always. It will always cause growth in your life. And one of the primary ways that God grows us is through serving him and others. And there's a tendency when we can get our eyes off of ourselves and on to other people, we end up being blessed. Not that we serve others for the blessing that we receive, but God is just that gracious. Like, not to make it just all about feelings, but you know when you, you do something kind to somebody and you, gen, you genuinely do something kind, God is good enough to where you feel really good. Isn't that interesting? Like, it's, I think sometimes, like, I mean, you, I'm sure we've all experienced this, but when you give somebody a good gift for Christmas, it is way more satisfying than getting, like, a new T-shirt. Why? I don't think it's just like these like jolly feelings that you get around Christmas. I think God is that gracious to us. That even when we give stuff away or we give ourselves away into things, God is gracious enough to bless us back. And so it causes growth. And then secondly, it cultivates generosity. Giving cultivates generosity. Generosity is defined as this, the quality of being kind and generous. Gen generosity is not something that you do, it's something that you are. Anyone can do a nice act, especially around Christmas. 
Generosity is the deeper level, uh, deeper level quality of being kind and generous. Generosity impacts every area of your life. You become more generous with your time. You become more generous with your talents. You become more generous with your money. Listen, you become more generous with your words. How often are we stingy with our words? Where we could compliment somebody and we don't. Where we could encourage somebody and we don't. Why? Saying something nice costs you nothing. And yet so often we scroll past people's posts because we're petty like that. Like liking somebody's post costs you nothing. And yet we're stingy with our words. We're stingy with, with, with being kind. We're stingy with our attention. And generosity impacts your attention where you begin to give people the fullness of your attention. Right? Generosity impacts every area of your life. And when you give, it cultivates generosity in you. When you give and when you serve others, it causes growth in your life and cultivates generosity in you. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. But giving is going to cost you. It's hard work. Giving is going to benefit others. It will help the weak. And it will cause growth where God wants you to grow. Worship team, you can come up here. I'm going to close with this. Um, one of the things that kills me about the Christmas season um, is the pay it forward or the pay it back in drive through lines. <laughs> Ever gotten in one of these situations? You get up to pay, and the, the cashier's like, your drink has been paid for. And you're like, oh, what a blessing. Hallelujah. Like this Frappuccino has been paid for. And then they say, do you want to pay it forward and pay for the person behind you? Now you're kind of in a situation. Hannah and I were in a situation like this a long time ago. And uh, we, we pulled up to the place. And we get, like, we get like two black Americanos is usually our drink orders. Pretty simple, pretty basic, costs a couple bucks. We get up to the line and they're like, oh, Merry Christmas, this has been going on all day. Like somebody paid for your drink. Like, oh, that's awesome, thank you. And they're like, would you like to pay it forward? It started at 6 a.m. this morning and it's been going all day. Every car has been doing it. Do you wanna do it now? And we look behind and there's a Suburban uh, behind us filled with, no offense, teenage girls. <laughs> Every one of them Venti Frappuccinos, please. No joke. It was like 35 bucks. We were going to pay $4 for our Americanos. And instead, do you want to pay it forward? 35 bucks. Um, and the pressure from the car in front of us and from the Starbucks employee, like, looking at us like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> We felt like we had to pay it for the people behind us. Now, let me tell you, we didn't do it out of generosity. We did it out of necessity. We did it out of, like, this. I guess if we just pay them 30 bucks, we can move on and we won't feel awkward. Um, Hannah and I were talking about this today, and she's like, if we were in that situation again, I would just tell them no. I was like, good for you. Like, at least we're honest, you know? She's like, I'll pay for one drink, Okay. One Frappuccino, they can cover the rest of it, all right? Um, 
Listen, God doesn't want to, us to give out of necessity. He wants us to live for the sake of others. Listen to me, this is the key. As an overflow of his goodness. It is more blessed to give than to receive because we realize how much we've already received from the grace of God. We are blessed. Listen to me. When I say God wants to bless your life, I think it's true. But I also want you to understand that God has blessed your life. That God has blessed, with you, blessed your life. And even if salvation is all he does for your life, it's enough. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we give as an overflow of his goodness. That is why it is more blessed to give than to receive. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. I want to read you. It's about 10 verses. It says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he's talking planting. So if you plant like one seed, you will only harvest one fruit. Right? One tree. And he says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the need of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This verse, these verses are profound. As Paul explains to us how everything that we give is an overflow of what God has given to us. And did you notice that as he talks about generosity and he, as he talks about us giving, he ends with praise to God. He's like, okay, guys, I want you to give and I want you to recognize that it's going to help the church. It's going to help other people's faith. It's going to cause you to grow. God's going to supply all your needs. He's talking about all this. And then he just goes, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Because generosity flows from, stems from, is rooted in the gift that God has given to us. And the greatest gift ultimately is salvation through faith in Jesus, which we celebrate in Christmas, the giving of his one and only son, humbly, uniquely, as a baby, so that we could find life in him. Everything that we do ought to stem from, bubble up over from, the grace that God has given to us.